0: small queendom podcast episode 10 All right, folks, here we go. It's the last part of our Enneagram series. Hello to all the new listeners that have found my podcast. Based off of the series, I want to welcome you. Today's episode is on visualizing the Enneagram, and we are featuring my new friend, Rukmini Vardar, from New York City. She is an illustrator and a graphic designer up in the big city, and We found each other on Instagram and we just knew we needed to chat. And so this is going to be a great way to kind of, you know, bring it all around full circle as we talk about how we can visualize what the different parts of the Enneagram can look like. I hope that you will check out her Instagram feed. I will put her link in the show notes below. For those of you who are just joining and this is your first episode, welcome. We uh, started our Enneagram series with discovering the Enneagram and then we uh, did an episode applying the Enneagram with Beth McCord who is an official Enneagram coach and then we had a bonus episode on parenting with the Enneagram. Last week I talked about supporting the Enneagram with essential oils and then here we go looking at things from an artist's perspective. This is a really fun conversation. I hope you will go and scroll back through all of the amazing illustrations that Rukmini did, they are just beautiful and several of them I had to um, kind of bookmark so I can go back and remember them. They're so wonderful. A quick note, I have some fun things coming up in August with my podcast and with my website and and my brand and everything, so be sure to follow me on Instagram because I will be posting um, some fun things in real time over there, whereas some of my podcasts are recorded ahead of time. I want you to be able to get the most recent updates by following me over on Instagram, and I'm really excited, and I have some fun things planned. So without further ado, here is my conversation visualizing the Enneagram with Rukmini. I hope you enjoy it hey everyone i'm here and i'm talking with rubini padar and she is an artist based out of new york and we stumbled upon each other kind of at the same time which is really (laughs) funny on instagram because i love the internet because of reasons just like this And so we get to jam today about visualizing the Enneagram and just more about how art connects all the feelings and how we can relate better to each other. So, Rukmini, thank you so much for joining me. How are you?
1: I'm doing so well. I'm so excited to talk to you. And I'm so excited we found each other so randomly. (laughs) But you found me actually at a perfect time because I'm wrapping up my 100 day project right now. And so I'm really excited to just kind of share the process and to tell my story a little bit.
0: Absolutely. So you all, I stumbled upon her feed and she, like like she said, she's almost done with a hundred days of painting pictures of the Enneagram and describing the different types. And I guess like before we dive into that, like how, how did you even discover the Enneagram?
1: Yeah, good question. I'd heard it kind of floating around the last few years and people kind of mentioning numbers and things like that kind of piqued my interest didn't fully understand it I I tried taking a test and I was told for a long time I was a nine which is interesting because I'm not but for a while I believed it and then um, soon after I moved to New York I met a few friends who run a company called Upbuild they're like a creative coaching company but they base a lot of their work off the Enneagram. So they're wonderful people they're the people who I later partnered with to do the 100 day project okay but um they do workshops not only with um corporate clients but they also do some for the public a couple times a year so I got to take one of them and that was an amazing experience that was just like a real deep dive because it was like a two-day immersion into it I mm-hmm. found out I was not a nine I was in fact a four which was very what's the word confronting <laughs> at the time <laughs> and um I just I learned so much about it I became so intrigued and even before I knew about the Enneagram, I would. I was already drawing emotions and I was into this art about, um, I guess, understanding the intersection of emotions and art and art therapy and just all of these things. So the Enneagram really aligned to what I was looking for, which is really finding a very like nuanced vocabulary for, for people's psychology um, and not just the way we think introvert, extrovert, Black and white, but something very multi layered, which I was really happy to see how the Enneagram perfectly captured that.
0: I, yes, I completely agree. It's so nuanced. And the one thing I loved about, you know, looking back, and of course, you know, for new listeners, maybe I'm a three wing four. Mm-hmm. So it's fun that we kind of meet there. Um, it's, you know, I am not an artist, but I do enjoy art. I'm a pianist, which is a little different. But when I look at art, Obviously, it elicits an emotion. But I think it's interesting that your process has kind of been flipped. You're trying to specifically describe (laughs) varied emotions that people are experiencing. That's
1: such a cool way to describe it. I never thought about the process being flipped like that. Um, definitely, yeah, I feel the emotion first and then I draw it so other people can feel it with me, which later we can talk about how that's a very four thing.
0: <laughs> oh oh yes
1: <laughs> you know everything I'm feeling deeply. <laughs> so, yeah, that's been the process now, that's
0: totally your gift for the world right there like uh-huh. that process. now let me ask you, this is kind of getting a, a little bit out of the flow of my um, thought process, but I have to ask when you, at first thought you were a nine for a while. Did you find yourself trying to fit into that nine mold? Yeah, that's
1: actually a really good question. I found myself, um, I feel I am very nine-ish at times, but I definitely was like, yeah, I'm not very passionate. I'm just kind of laid back and cool and like, don't burst my bubble. It was just funny, I kind of took that on and it is true in many ways, but um, I definitely was quite convinced I was a nine. Until later when I met, you know, my friends who run this upbuild um, Enneagram series, they were like, um, no, the way you talk about emotions is definitely very four-ish. I was like, don't burst my bubble, man. <laughs> but <laughs> it, was, it was interesting though. It's a good question. I, I did find myself really convinced I was a nine. Um, yeah.
0: Good stuff, good. All right, now one thing I have to say I'm really impressed with is the fact that this is not your first 100 days project. No. This is your fourth? Yeah, it's crazy. I am so impressed with the amount of consistency and the amount of commitment that that takes to really, you know, take a, a niche idea and see it through for that much effort. What were your other projects and what has that kind of consistency and commitment taken out of you?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing even for myself to reflect on. And doing these 100 day projects have honestly been one of the most transformative kind of experiences in my life and in my creative life. And I think that's the reason why I keep doing it. It's kind of like you have to taste the pudding to know what's in it. And when I did it the first year, I guess four years ago in 2015, I was just amazed because I'm actually not a consistent person. <laughs> I struggle to do anything every day. Me and too. Yeah, That's it's why actually, I ask. <laughs> it's extremely difficult. I mean, when I was young, I would try like 20 day projects and and all these different things. Um, never actually succeeded at any of them. So it's interesting that this has happened. Um, in 2015, I was finishing up my fourth year of uh, graphic design, my, um, my what I was majoring in, and um, I basically was kind of tired of being on the computer a lot, so I just wanted to get my hands a little messy with pains and just explore that, so I did a very simple 100-day project. I don't think there was a particular concept, but I was just doing abstract drawings, and it kind of turned and evolved into its own thing after a while, but it was it was great. I... I felt so much more confident as a painter, because I actually never loved painting. I never did watercolor until then. And so it just opened up a whole new world for me. And I learned a lot. Like I really learned the power of quantity over quality. And what I loved is like the 100-day project forces you to let go of being a perfectionist and just do. And another thing that was really like, I think one of the main reasons was the accountability of it. And I think that's what keeps me going. Something about posting on Instagram and using social media as a tool for accountability was incredible because before, until that moment, social media was always a distraction, something that took me away from my creative process. So to see social media as a tool to bring me even deeper into my creative process and to share it with others was, um, I think that changed everything for me. It was really great.
0: Oh my gosh, you said so many good things and I can (laughs) tell that we... You know, you've got that four wing three on the three wing four. <laughs> just these things I'm thinking. Okay, so what I wanted to jam on for a second was, you said you had to let go of that perfectionism yes. and just do. Yes, and that's probably that's probably your four coming out because as a as a three, that performing, that performance, that image conscious, is has been so hard for me to like let my process be seen.
1: Yeah, and it's so not hard. be
0: perfect.
1: Oh, it's so hard. Yeah. Cuz we all want to be seen as perfect, especially on social media. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. it's like, like known for. You show the best side of yourself. You don't show the the messy process.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Yes, and I love what you said about accountability too, because yeah. it's like people are depending on you. I know. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> Oh, uh, okay, let's talk about this some more. What have been you know, you talked about the transformation in the hundred days. I mean, you do anything for a hundred days. and I bet it's just like a new layer.
1: It really is of
0: yourself that you discover.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. The first year I did it, it was, I had no boundaries and I just did whatever. And I had like, you know, I would get like 30 likes on a drawing. And I was like, yeah, it's a good day for me. <laughs> totally <That> changed, <laughs> But um, it was fun. And it was great to just see that artwork takes on a life of its own if you don't stand in the way. That was definitely a profound realization because how much do we stand in the way of ourselves when we're creating? We have a very particular perspective and it has to be that way, but really artwork has a life of its own. And when we trust the process, like beautiful things come. And that was such a profound experience from from doing this.
0: Mm. Have you read, that made me think of Elizabeth Gilbert's book, um,
1: Big Magic, Big Magic. Oh, yes. It's so close to my heart. I read it much later after I did this, but I felt it aligned so well with what I was experiencing.
0: Yeah, it was very impactful for me to to just be like, just just do it. You have to get through the not so good yeah. to get to the great thing.
1: Definitely. Definitely. And the not so good in itself is also beautiful. So it's like, how do we celebrate that? It's been really nice.
0: Yes. Now, what has been um, days or types or dimensions or wings what has been a a difficult part of your 100-day project with the Enneagram to illustrate like what what has been something that you really had to maybe think about a little bit more or ask a couple people to kind of like get that paint on the paper
1: right right yeah doing the 100 days of Enneagram this year has been very it's been like a very unique challenge compared to everything else because it is so structured and it says I'm I'm actually drawing like a very known body of work so one thing that's challenging is that I mean it has to be accurate it, it I, I'm actually representing something that so many hundreds and thousands of people know about so that is challenging um, what's helped is I've actually leaned on my um, my friends at Upbuild who run this enneagram business and so I have a friend named Hari who's been sending me all the content, and so it's been amazing to do it in a collaboration like that. So I don't really depend on myself. Like I need to be the illustrator and then the expert and then the writer. That's so good. That's been helpful. And um, so that teamwork has been a new element this year to do. And um, what else that's been difficult is, um, I guess this how systemized I've kind of made it. Like I kind of have everything color coded and consistent in fonts. So I've I mean, a hundred days in, almost. I really enjoy it. I'm so happy how it turned out. But in the beginning, I'm very much a person of spontaneity, and I just want to do what I feel like doing. And so, how oh, I relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> so this is different, but um, it's been nice to see how I've grown to really like it, and how satisfying it's been to really see the enneagram catalog, like cataloged out quite nicely. Oh, it's um, beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So it's been good, but that's been a challenge. It really required, I guess, what is it? The right side of my brain, the left, the more, (laughs) the
0: left left side.
1: Yes. That side.
0: To be more (laughs) systematic.
1: More systematic. I actually had to write like, like a catalog of like numbering out what am I going to do and how to get perfectly all the types in a hundred days. Well, you needed to
0: lean on your five a little bit.
1: Yeah. If that is, if that exists, I had to lean on that or I had to like radiate to my one or something. Mm -hmm, Totally. (laughs) integrate to one. I don't know where that is. I feel like my one side is very far away, but maybe it came out a little bit here.
0: <laughs> what, what has been um, some of your favorite uh, days to paint or types to paint?
1: Oh, good question. I think my all time favorite section, because right now the 100 day project of the Enneagram is divided into different sections. I started first with doing all the types and wings, which was quite a large chunk. Yes. It's a good way to introduce it. And then I went on to do different nuanced aspects. And I think out of all of them, I really love drawing the emotions of each type. Mm -hmm. Um, That was written by my friend Hari, and it was just so excellent. I've never really read that anywhere else, but I have a section where it says um, basically every type, like the triad of each type. So for example, um, eight, nine, and one are body centers. And mm-hmm. so they feel anger, but they all feel it so differently. And I found that so fascinating. Like um, the eight kind of over feels it and we kind of called it the grenade. And so I kind of drew that. The nine um, suppresses it and they're like the tea kettle. And then the one kind of is very pointed out very directly, you know, it's like the fire hose. And so that was just such an interesting um, element to kind of visualize and show. And I feel like when people read it, it was like, whoa, okay, I get it. I get how the Enneagram is so nuanced and yet so um, broad that I can fit
0: into it. That's actually, I love that you mentioned that's your favorite part because it's one of my favorite parts too. Oh, nice. Because <laughs> obviously we all feel all the emotions, right? Like but, but they, but each type kind of defaults mm-hmm. from each one. So yes. very good. Very good. So um, tell us, what do you want people to know about the Enneagram after looking your, mm-hmm. at your illustrations and, and reading the description? What, what do you want someone to take away?
1: Yeah, I think what I would love someone to take away is kind of what I got out of it, which is so important, which is that um, we all have our unique challenges, our unique sufferings and in the end of the day it's just about empathizing with people deeply on where they're at because the Enneagram just teaches you that you really can't you almost can't be mad at anyone because when you really understand what's going on in their minds you're like oh my god I am so sorry you you're dealing with this in this specific way and you see yourself in this way and so everyone is really just carrying so much in their minds and they're all trying to work through it in their own ways and I think for us us to first of all understand what's going on with us what is our unique challenges and our unique gifts and everything that makes us different and who we are that helps us to see that other people are carrying their own their own identities in a certain way and how we can meet them where they're at
0: that is so beautiful what do you think the world would be like if a little if more people take yeah. the time not to only understand themselves better but to realize that fact right there that every single person that they meet mm. is one of those types and the way they're responding is because of that
1: yeah yeah wow that's a, that's a beautiful thing to think about <laughs> i think uh, i think we would just have a more conscious society and more mindful society and one that's just much less judgmental and much more compassionate it'd be beautiful to see it create a culture of compassion, which is something that I feel strongly about.
0: I was just thinking the word kind, kindness, right? I just think we would all be more kind to each other.
1: Completely. And to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, So much. So much.
0: All right. So talk to me about what it's like to be a four. Oh, gosh. (laughs) You know, I think that I feel like there are some types that in the Enneagram that everyone kind of wants to be like, I don't know. I, I, I'm i thinking like, if I could be a type and like rocket, I would probably want to be a seven.
1: Oh, dude, I feel you.
0: <laughs> they so much fun, right? Honestly, yeah, at least on the outside. But <laughs> on the outside, on the outside. Oh so tell God. me about what it's like to be a four. And now that you are becoming so self-aware to move to a healthy four. Yeah. Oh,
1: thank you. I hope I'm healthy. <laughs> um, so being a four is interesting. I mean, first of all, I felt like I was in quite denial that I was a four, even though it was being hinted at that, you know, I don't know if you're a nine, like you're creating all this art about emotions and you seem very introspective in that way. Maybe you're a four. And somehow a lot of resistance was my first instinct.
0: Well, let me ask you this Like, What's one of your favorite things about being a four?
1: Um, I think the four does have quite an ability to empathize with emotion, with people. And I feel like that's been something really important for me. And in my artwork, more than me sharing and expressing myself, I want to create kind of a forum where I can understand people and they can share their stories. So I really appreciate that. I I appreciate how fours have an ability to really go deep with things and to really enter a depth that they're not afraid of. other people and and things like and types can sometimes be afraid to enter that kind of scary dark place, but I appreciate fours who can really go into that and come out with light. I mean, so many incredible writers and artists who are fours—they know how to get to like the depths of the soul and really kind of look in places that other people aren't willing to, and to kind of bear their soul for the world. And I think just the ability to express things that other people have in their minds, but don't have words for, feels like a gift. And um, it's definitely something that I feel like I want to share more and more. It's something I kind of tapped into a few years ago with my obscure emotions drawing and everything I'm doing, but it, it's really nice to know that there is an ability to feel things deeply and articulate it in a way that's new and fresh.
0: Yes, I I think about that too as a three, you know, even though I'm in the heart triad, so I'm feeling, you know, at our, at our negative emotions, we're feeling shame, you know, but the three turns off the emotions to get the work done. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so I've really been trying to be more self-aware even as of late to, to know what it is like to sit in the hard feelings. Yeah. I've been leaning on my four for that.
1: That's great. That's good stuff. <laughs> so
0: what, like, this is definitely um, more of a spontaneous yeah. question. Um, but what would you say, to someone who has a hard time exploring anger or self-doubt or that shame or that fear? Like what could be something that someone could learn from a four to being okay with sitting in that emotion?
1: Yeah. Let's work through it. Right. That's such a good question. I think so many people avoid things that are uncomfortable like that, but I I think for a four, I feel like it's important to give permission to feel those things. And that's something I feel very passionate about is that if anyone is holding something back or feeling something and feeling like they're not allowed to share it, um, to create a space where they just know like, you're not gonna be judged. Like I fully feel you where you're at. Like I know where you're coming from. And I, as a four, I really appreciate realness. Like authenticity is a big one. And I really, for myself, it's important that I can live without masks I mean of course we all wear them but it's important to be able to take them off so in doing so and in taking off my own mask I really hope to encourage other people to do the same and just knowing like hey like please take off your mask I appreciate your realness a hundred times
0: more than anything else that you can cover yourself with that is great I'm taking notes yeah I think (laughs) it goes back to that kindness right yeah Yeah. it does actually to yourself you have to be compassionate with yourself
1: Yeah, it's so true. I feel like if I wasn't allowing myself to take off those masks and to just be present and kind with myself, then I couldn't really extend that to other people.
0: Mm. Mm. That's good. I'm thinking about that for myself. Mm. And I think that when you sit in that authenticity, well, I want to say this. I think that sometimes people will excuse bad behavior by saying, well, this is just how I am. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Totally. But there's the difference when you're sitting in true authentic emotion or feeling or experience. I think that the right people will find you, Hmm. right? Some people might say, well, she's too much or she doesn't have her act together or, you know, Mm -hmm. see you later. But then I think you will find the real people who say, Hey, I see you over there. And what I've been craving is someone who wants to show up as their true self.
1: Mm, Yeah, that is such a nice point. Definitely. Mm. I think um, it's easy to kind of avoid responsibility by being like, oh, this is just who I am. But I feel like authenticity is actually kind of taking responsibility and being like, you know what, I feel this deeply and it's not good, but I'm going to sit in it and I'm going to know that I can do something about it eventually. Maybe I'll mope around for a while and feel bad about myself, but eventually I will bring myself out of it. And that's important instead of just hiding in it and using it as an excuse to not be present.
0: Awesome. I think that's right on, right on. Okay. Let's talk about obscure emotions, shall we? Of course. Yes. <laughs> okay. So on your website, uh, you have right under your, um, under your title, it says the only illustrated advice column. So yes. tell me about obscure emotions. That is so fun. So this is like dear Abby, but it's your yes. Rooksy, right?
1: Yes, exactly. Oh, <laughs> this project is actually so dear to my heart. I've taken quite a break from it since I've been doing work on the Enneagram, but, um, yeah, it's really come from uh, quite a journey. A couple years ago, I did a hundred days of obscure emotions, and that just—that's really what started my whole kind of foray into illustration and emotions. And um, after drawing it, I I published it into a book. I self published it, and I I even did a show on it last year, and it it was really exciting. Um, what happened though with Dear Rooksy is that I wanted to continue the project, but I wanted to extend it to other people. And basically now I invite other people to write to me, kind of how they feel, like what is something that they're feeling deeply right now, but they want, they want it to be mirrored back at them in some way. So I tell people that I don't have answers. I'm not a traditional advice column, but I do have like a listening ear and I'm here to draw how you feel. And um, I've been doing this project kind of on and off for maybe almost two years, a year and a half. And I've done over 70 drawings and they've been amazing. And for me, out of all of my projects, this one has been quite, I feel like more transformative in a sense of just personally, I feel like it helps me listen to people better, better empathize with them. And also um, um, just be more present in that sense. So that's been really amazing. And also, I feel like I'm more of service. I mean, I I would like to be of service in all of my drawings, but somehow with Dear Rooksy, I feel like I'm actually fully, literally giving back to people who open up and I have something to share.
0: What is an example of, you know, for people who have not seen some of your works on obscure emotions? I've seen a few. What is an example of of a couple obscure emotions? Yeah,
1: yeah, of course. Good question. So... Um, for an example, for example, an, ex- an obscure emotion would be something like um, when you are looking to explore but afraid of getting lost. It's one of my favorite ones. Oh. So it's, it's, it's kind of it's something that we all kind of carry and feel. But what does that look like? What does that mean? Or it's something like when you're homesick for a home you never had. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Or, or um, when you feel gu- guilty for the good things in your life. I have felt that quite often. And I and it's funny, that was one of the first ones I had drawn. And I remember it being very personal because I just never told anyone that because in what context do you tell someone that I feel, I feel very guilty for all these blessings in my life? And immediately when I posted it, a friend of mine said like, oh my God, I've always felt this. I never knew anyone else did either. And it was responses like that which really changed the game for me. And then it made me realize that like, wow, I can really... I could really offer something to people and I could really give something that people are looking for, which is a name to something very personal yet very
0: obscure. Oh, wow. Okay. So this is making me think as my brain is working, I'm like, obviously this is very powerful and it resonates deeply with a lot of people. I'm I'm thinking that what it could be is not a mirror, but almost like helping someone take a step back.
1: Oh, that's really nice. Yeah,
0: Right. Like, like they've put it out there and then it's almost like they they've given all of that to you, you, you uh, illustrate or paint or, you know, visually describe it. And then they're able to look back, you know, a little bit detached.
1: Yeah. That's a beautiful way to describe it. I mean, that would be my goal for anyone. Usually people send me like it can be anything from a couple sentences to a couple paragraphs of just their story. And so what I'll do is I'll read through it and I'll take notes and I'll draw it. And then I, I will distill it into one sentence of obscure emotion. And so really what I'm doing is I'm taking their story and I'm kind of flipping it around. So they actually have to take that step back. And they and, and my hope and what I've heard from people is that when they see it, they see it from a new lens which is really helpful when you're going through something and when you see someone kind of spin around what you're feeling and represent it back to you. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, that is awesome. I love that. So um, what is, what's the next project for you? Are you going to take a break or are you going to get back into some (laughs) emotions? Tell me
1: about it. Well, I I really, I really want to take a break, but (laughs) um i feel like right now the momentum is high actually and i'm really excited about it just the amount of engagement i'm getting from obscure emotions has completely like a hundredfold exceeded my expectations
0: oh it's awesome it's been an awesome conversation in some of those com- the comment threads
1: Oh my God, it's been incredible. I'm like screenshotting things constantly. I don't even have time to reply to all of them. I feel like secretly bad because I never wanted to be that person who didn't have time for people, but (laughs) somehow that's happening. But I want everyone to know, I I really appreciate all the comments, all the love. I mean, I started this project in the beginning of April and I had about 4,000, maybe almost 5,000 followers. And today I have over 21,000. So it's really, really escalated. I mean it's been such a journey. Um I'm so grateful. And even when I started, I remember being like I don't know who knows the enneagram. Maybe people will unfollow me. I'll just do it anyway. Like I
0: really just didn't know what else getting myself into. <laughs> oh wow. Well, I think that um I I think it's I think that we are ready for it. You know, I I think it's been leading up to this point. You know, self-awareness, self-help, personal development. It's always been a thing. Yeah. But I think that millennials are doing a good job Mm. at diving into, you know, that inner world. Don't you think?
1: I think so too. It's been exciting to see actually. It's quite exciting, but also very powerful.
0: I think so too. I think they're ready. I think the world's ready for the Enneagram. I don't know. Maybe you need to keep going with it.
1: I would like to. I mean, honestly, it's been, it's been exciting because I feel like I've really found a niche and I do feel like the world is quite ripe for it. Like it's been ripe. And I was just so impressed with just how many people are excited about it. And for me, the minute I learned about the Enneagram, I just could like see it in a visual catalog. I was like, I have to do this. I don't think anyone's done it yet. Like I have to be unique and special and be the first person yeah. <laughs> first. <laughs> that ambition is there. Absolutely. <laughs> But it's been exciting. And even though I'm going to wrap up the 100-day project soon, I'm definitely not going to wrap up my work with the program. And in so many ways, I feel like it's the beginning. Because in my head since I started, I foresaw this as a book. And that's why i was putting so much energy into in okay kind of been like a page every day so it's kind of like a super intensive way to write a book and i know people have been asking and they're like is this a book is this a book and part of me is like okay i don't really know where it's going but my vision is that it's a book so
0: i think it should be a book
1: i think so too so, yeah so i'm not giving away too much yet but that's the goal it's it's kind of going in that direction and hopefully in, in a few months or towards the end of the year something exciting will develop
0: oh that is so exciting that would be the perfect christmas gift okay, okay. see what you can do <laughs> on that. very good point
1: all right i'll aim for that december of 2018 let's
0: do it <laughs> all right you ready to play a game Everyone who comes on my podcast, well, not everyone, but most of the time when someone is on my podcast, I like to play a little game because even though I'm a three, I like to have fun. Maybe it's the competitive nature coming out. Okay,
1: that's okay. I, I have that side to me too. I'm already trying to figure out how I can win this. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> Okay. So of course it has to be about the Enneagram. And uh, what this game is, is of course, thinking about the all nine types. I have nine board games, very common board games, and I'm going to name a board game and you are going to name what type you think, you know, would go for that game. Now, obviously, (laughs) if I say something and people are like, I don't like that type, you know, this is just a game, people. (laughs) This
1: is hilarious, I am so ready for this. (laughs) Okay, are you ready? Yes.
0: Trivial Pursuit. Now, have you ever played this game before? Okay, let me tell you quickly about this game. This is very like Jeopardy, but even harder than Jeopardy. Like very obscure, like facts.
1: Right. Okay. Amazing. So this is this is the five.
0: Absolutely. Yay. All right. Let me cross that. Good job. You're one for one. Okay. Very good. All right. Um, Pictionary.
1: For...
0: Yes. Game. <laughs> for... <laughs> dictionary. All right. Scrabble.
1: Interesting. Scrabble. Hmm. Scrabble takes a lot of... Definitely takes a, quite an intelligent mind, but maybe someone who's... I'm leaning towards the one. Is this like a one game where you're very particular about things? It is.
0: Yes. Okay. Good job. <laughs> See, you've got this. <laughs> very good. Okay. Candyland.
1: Oh my God. Who would love Candyland? I'm thinking either a nine or a two. Oh, definitely a two. I mean how sweet it is. <laughs> oh, I think
0: a two could totally love it. But on this list, okay a it's nine. seven.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay.
0: It's very fun and what candy spot am I gonna land on next?
1: Okay, I can see it being a seven, but I will argue for the two. <laughs>
0: and now, I'm sure all the mothers who are twos out there are like, that's my favorite game to play. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, all right. So, what you have left is two, three, six, eight, and nine. Okay. okay? Uh, let's see here. Monopoly. Oh, that is a three game. Yep. Ding, ding, ding. The three. Game. I love to play Monopoly. My husband actually will not play Monopoly with me because I always beat him.
1: Oh, my God. What type is your
0: husband? A five.
1: Oh, <laughs> interesting.
0: <laughs> yes, a three married to five. Very interesting. Lots of good dynamics there. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Here's another one. A battleship. Oh, my God. Battleship. That has got to be eight. Mm-hmm. Good job. Conquering control. All right. So now what you have left is two, six, and nine. Okay. All right. Um, Guess who?
1: Guess who? Oh, my God. Is that a six? That's hilarious if it is. Is it because
0: they're always uncertain?
1: (laughs) Well, it could be. Have you ever played Guess Who before? I have. Let me think about that more. Guess who?
0: It's a lot of people.
1: Oh. I, I actually don't know. Is it a nine then?
0: It's not, it's a two. Really? Why? Which I don't know. That one could go either way for me, I feel like. But I think it's because of the idea of like the two is always thinking about like other people.
1: Oh, okay, I see. That makes yeah, but,
0: but I think that I thought that one could go a couple ways when I saw that one. All right, so you have six or nine left. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you the last two, and you can choose if it's four, okay. six, or four, nine. Okay, so the last two games are risk and the game of life
1: oh interesting Hmm. it's a little challenging so the game of life I would say that's totally a nine game ding 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 you got it it's it's so easy (laughs) it's like it's like everyone wins (laughs) can't be sad when you play that game (laughs) no because everyone gets a house everyone gets a car (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. And then risk, that's the sixth game. Mm-hmm. And isn't that is even funnier. Is that because they're so risk averse? No.
0: Well, I think it's because um I think I think it's risk because it's very like strategic and like there's so many inputs of oh, information coming at them.
1: With all the countries. Yes. Oh, uh, that makes sense. It is very that's
0: analytical.
1: Right. That's one of my favorite games. Yes. Uh,
0: yeah. Totally.
1: <laughs> well, I think you did
0: really good. I think you only missed like one. Yes. All right. Yeah. I think you definitely won that game.
1: Yay. Well, thank you. That's what I need to hear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> <take that> out. <laughs> I was trying to think of, oh, oh, here's an idea for a series for you. Or, or not even a series, maybe an extension. I think it would be really fun to visually see like how all the types plan a vacation or their motivation or like how why the, why the different types all clean their house that is hilarious what a great idea
1: wouldn't that be so funny that would I bet that would resonate so much with people
0: like the only list I've ever seen anything like that it uh, it was um all nine types see a spider yeah oh really how do they react okay so um uh the uh Let's see. The two was like picking up the spider and going to keep it till it died. You know, <laughs> the three said, "Well, I was an extra in Spider-Man once." Oh my god! <laughs> about the nine was saying, "All right, if, if if you don't see me, I don't see you."
1: <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> the eight
0: steps. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the five says it's a, an arachnid.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh my god.
0: I think that would be fun to like see some different um like some visual you know differences with that
1: oh definitely that has to be the next one I actually never touched on relationships in this series I think that was one step maybe too complicated but I would love to come back to something like
0: that all All right right. Uh, a couple more questions um just some fun ones just some fun ones okay um what are you reading or listening to that's inspiring right now Oh, good question.
1: Hmm. At the moment, I'm not reading too much, but I was listening to a few podcasts. And okay. My, my My absolute favorite is um, On Being with Krista Tibbett. Don't oh, say it I'm again. On Being with Krista Tibbett. Okay. That's an incredibly, um, it's just such an inspiring podcast. Krista is a journalist for many years, and she started an NPR podcast some time ago. And basically, the podcast brings on some incredible people like I was just listening to Yo-Yo Ma and a few others and they they just talk about life like she literally explores the meaning of life and how people see it in such a profound way and um I would definitely recommend anyone to check it out it just, I always leave feeling like more intelligent and thoughtful. <laughs> and like it's always, a four. Yeah, it, I think it really feeds my four nature. I'm like, yes, this is so deep and so <laughs> interesting. But really, I owe a lot to Krista. I haven't listened to it too much recently, but years ago, I started listening to it. And it just really opened up my perspective on life and just what wonderful people are out there and what they have to say about about the world and the beauty that's in it. So... Oh, I love it! I love it.
0: Uh, any music lately that you've been loving?
1: Um, hmm, not. Uh, yeah, actually, I was listening to Anushka Shankar, which is if you are you familiar with Ravi Shankar? Yes, so that's his daughter, and um, she came to New York maybe a couple weeks ago and did a concert in Brooklyn. And so I really wanted to go. I'd heard a little bit of about her music, and I was so blown away. It was so moving. She really mixes instruments from all kinds like she has a traditional Indian sitar But then she brings all kinds of other bass and guitar and creates this real great like fusion of music So Ooh, that's so more cool. of an Indian classical fusion hybrid instrumental if anyone's interested Ooh, I can
0: look that up myself Okay, um, I was thinking about this. This is more of a selfish question. Of course I've been to New York a couple times had a great time loved it but what do you think are some of the must see or like must experience as someone who lives there? Like what, what, what would you tell someone? All right. If you come here, this is, you have to do
1: this. Oh, such a good question. And I might be a terrible person to answer. (laughs) I know. I don't
0: think there's a wrong answer here.
1: All right. Well, even though I've been here for a couple of years, I feel like I, there's so much I still haven't seen. Um, One place I actually discovered quite a while ago was, um, Oh yeah this is a great place it's called new new eurekan poetry cafe i guess another cut as i'm answering these questions i'm like i'm such a four it's almost like <laughs> almost too much but you have to check out this poetry cafe <laughs> it's wonderful it's in the lower east side like avenue a um second street or whatever um if you just google search it you'll find it but um
0: new eurekan uh, poetry cafe yeah.
1: So they have events throughout the week. I'm, I'm pretty sure, but Friday nights, they do a poetry slam every Friday night. And sometimes they have like competitions and things like that. I've been to a few and they're like so much fun. And the poets that come are absolutely brilliant.
0: Oh, wow. And they
1: really bring like the mood of New York. Like you really feel like you're in it. Cause they'll talk about all the challenges they face in New York growing up. Like what's the like, they're from like different backgrounds, Puerto Rican, African-American, South American, whatever. Um, yeah incredible poets just so much you feel really in the mood of it like everyone just gets up and starts dancing at random times like everyone's (laughs) like you're snapping your fingers whenever you're to something soulful people are yelling stuff like the poets have this very chill mood and yet they're like dropping these profound like realizations on the poetry floor it's very inspiring so i think it's
0: a whole room of fours
1: it's yes, probably a whole room of force, but it's a little bit more real than that. It's not like snobbish and whatever. It's just, it's a lot of fun, a lot of hooting hollering. And that sounds wonderful. It's great. Definitely check it out. EXMV.
0: I will. Okay. Last question. This one's a little bit more deeper. Um, if you could go back in time and tell your younger self something, what would you tell her?
1: Oh, such a good question. Um, hmm. My younger self was very inhibited, very shy and I didn't have so much confidence in myself, really. I mean, I kind of believed in myself, but I just felt very, like, didn't know what I would really do. Um, and it's kind of amazing. Even now, like, I'm only 25, but living in New York and doing so much of what I love is something I never really would have imagined. My 14-year-old awkward self, you know, <laughs> in a little small town in Florida. Um, but I think I would just go back and tell myself that um, not to worry. Like, everything is just wonderful. and. And not to even get caught up in planning things or trying to make the right decision, what's right and what's wrong, but just to trust that there's a grander plan. And if I really fall in the flow of that, things will happen as they should be. And I will always be incredibly grateful because I feel like I'm, I've received so much more than I ever thought I would, so.
0: Oh, that's so lovely. Yeah. yeah. All right, now a little twist on this question. This one, sometimes throws people, people for a loop. But What would you tell your future self?
1: Oh man, (laughs) I didn't see that coming. (laughs) Let's see, my future self.
0: It Hmm. could be a wish, a hope, a reminder.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I would tell my future self to, um, hmm, I guess not to forget the ones that are close to me right now. Because I don't know where life will take me, what things happen. Um, Maybe wonderful things will be coming, but just to not lose my, my roots and to, and to stay humble and stay appreciative.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, I like that. (laughs) Oh, thanks for
1: asking. That was a good question.
0: (laughs) All right. Quickly, before we sign off, tell everyone where they can find you connect with you, buy your book, all the things, and I'll be sure to put it in the show notes.
1: That sounds great. Well, thank you everyone who listened. It was definitely a joy to be on this podcast. So much good came from it. And, um, please connect with me somehow I'm, I'm all over the internet, but especially on Instagram, you can find me. Um, my handle is rock and People always say it wrong. Everyone says rock and and it's so not. And then some people say rock and rooster and rock rooster. And it's turned into so many things, <laughs> but it's R U K I N R U K S I. And then I have a website called dear And so if you go on that website, you can see a lot of my dear Rooksy project of obscure emotions. And um, yeah, check it out. Feel free to write to me. You can send me your emotion and I'll send it and I'll draw something as soon as I can. And um, yes, those two are great places to find me.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you.
1: This, is, this has been so much fun, honestly.
0: All right, you take care.
1: Okay, will do.
0: And that's a wrap. What a way to finish up our series on the Enneagram. I hope you look at the show notes for all of the links of the things we mentioned. And thank you to everyone who sent me a message or a text about what this series has meant to you. I have loved getting to know so many of you and connect. Please continue to do so. And if this podcast is something you're enjoying and you're finding value from it, I would be so appreciative if you do a quick rating and review right now, wherever you're getting this podcast. I would be forever grateful. All right, friends. We will see you next next week. You take care. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.